0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life-balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hi, it's Richard and Linda Iyer here from Ayers on the Road. We're excited about the show today.
1: Another episode, and uh, we got some things we want to have, you know, you got to have a little fun sometimes. We always try to have fun on Ayers on the Road, but I think today will be especially fun because we're going to talk about some old cliches, old sayings, if you will, that kind of get in our way. They're they're sort of not right for today. They
0: sort of do more harm than good if we take them too seriously. Is that a fair explanation? Yeah, it is. And I think that that's, that's, so many of us are stuck to the way that we were taught to do things when we were little kids because, but our parents lived in a different time. It's because they lived in a different time. And a lot of them were were great for the time they lived, but now we need to change our minds on some of them.
1: And some of them are, um, what we mean when we, let give you an example, and then we'll explain it a little further, and then we'll give you a lot of examples. Did your mother ever say to you when you were a little kid, I can hear it in my mind, my mom saying, Ricky, don't just sit there, do something.
0: Oh, my mother always (laughs) said that. <laughs> and she was a do it get it done person, like we got to get up and get going every and, a, and
1: of course that 's a good sentiment, but don 't you think in our busy world today sometimes we we need exactly the opposite? we need to say to ourselves, don 't just do something, sit there don 't just do something, sit there for a minute and think about it, and calm down a little and get perspective and so on so that's an example of an old myth that we think could actually be improved, maybe even reversed. And a lot of these apply to parenting, don't they, Linda, and to families?
0: They do, and they're really fun. This is a book that you wrote several years ago, but I love it. It's one of my favorite ones because there's so many interesting things there. Are how many how many cliches in there?
1: I think there's uh, there's over 20, uh, 26 or something, and they're they're all. We try to explode them all. The name of the 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 book is turning old cliches into new maxims, but uh, what I wanna do, let's just read, just to get you into this a little, just a little more of an introduction to what we're talking about today, and then we'll go right through some of these old cliches and say how they might be harmful and you might wanna think about fixing them, but read a little of the introduction, why don't you, Linda?
0: Okay. Stress hurry and worry, aggravation and frustration, the world does it to to us, doesn't it? Fast pace, big demands, high expectations, congestion and competition. No, we do it to ourselves. We do it in our minds. We let the world in and we put the pressure on ourselves. How you feel and how you live does not depend on what goes on around you. It depends on what goes on inside you, particularly inside your head. The world is a hard place to change, and this book doesn't suggest that you change any of it. This is a book about changing your mind, about casting out some old stress-producing attitudes or cliches. And
1: replacing them with some softer, more mellow maxims. This is, this is not about how to, it's about how to think. These old cliches that we try to get rid of, are more than quaint old sayings, they're symbols of old thinking or wrong thinking that detract sometimes from the joy of life. And we hope the new maxims proposed are symbols of new attitudes that are really designed to enhance joy just a little bit. And just a little (coughs) more intro, Linda.
0: Some of the catchy little sayings, proverbs, or little notions of traditional wisdom that people and society have been repeating to us over the years. Don't work anymore. In fact, they aren't true anymore. In fact, they've become part of the problem rather than part of the solution, and they're not just cute little cliches or harmless old fashioned platitudes. No, they have worked their way into our subconscious and influenced our attitudes. They often prompt unrealistic expectations turn us into dissatisfied perfectionists or give us inaccurate perceptions of the world around us wow
1: they also produce stress some of these old cliches are accepted little bits of wisdom they never were any good you know they never were accurate and never worked others were fine just as you said a minute ago linda but they worked better yesterday than they do today and what we're going to do here in the next half hour is expose and explode some of these old cliches. You ought to have the definitions real fast. We think a cliché, this is right out of the
0: dictionary, is an old piece of hackneyed or stereotyped wisdom, quote-unquote, which was has become trite and meaningless.
1: And it's taken from the French word clicher, which refers to a printing from a metal plate which clamps down and repeatedly produces a stereotyped image. <laughs> Who wants that? Wow, wow. <laughs> But a maxim, on the other hand,
0: is a useful and practical catchphrase which states a current truth in a way that s- gives insight and has beneficial influence on how we see things and how we do things.
1: So we're gonna run through a few of these. And Linda, when you well,
0: let's give them an example of a few. Yeah, just we're gonna so we're gonna
1: go through hey, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go through a whole bunch of them. I'm turning to a page where we've got them all listed, and then we can just sort of show you. Um, exactly what we're talking about here. And maybe you will love it as much as we do. So we mentioned the first one, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well, and replace that with, hey, if a thing's just barely worth
0: doing, then just barely do it. So the number two, never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Oh my gosh, I can't think of how many times <laughs> my mama said that. That anyway.
1: sounds good, right? But, how about this for a better one?
0: Again, Always put off, a put offable in favor of a now or never.
1: Now think about that, never put off anything till tomorrow, which you can do today, actually selective procrastination is a wonderful gift, put off the things you can put off in favor of a now or never. And boy, does that apply to families, right Linda, I mean, a little kid comes in and wants to play and you're like, no, 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 maybe tomorrow I'll pencil you in for two o'clock, or. You know, kids need you when they need you. The teaching moments are there. You can't put that off, so you better put off that thing you were doing if you can in order to attend to the present, to the now or That is
0: such a hard thing to do, too. It's just like, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. I'll be with you in just a minute, and pretty soon the minute's over and the the moment's gone. It really is.
1: I just think that's such (laughs) an important one. So, you know, again... It sounds like wisdom, never put off till tomorrow, that's what you can do today. Replace that with, hey, always put off a put offable in favor of a now or never.
0: Number three, I really like work before play. Now, uh, I actually,
1: you haven't quite gotten over this and, one, and
0: I think that you do that a little too well. well
1: no, I you, do the. I don't do work before play too well. I no, don't know
0: what you're saying no, but you're saying play before work, and, and it really is. Um, well, no, a the for new
1: the, the new maxim is not is not play before work. Yeah. The new maxim to replace work before play is. This is good if we have a little conflict on some Right. We may work our, well, we're on the radio show. We do we work out some things. The, the new one is stale work is renewed by fresh play. In other words, we need, we shouldn't put down play. We need play in our life. And I know you're going to say, yeah, but you can do it after the work. Right, right. <laughs> But, I mean, think about this. I mean, say you're at a lake. Say we're at Bear Lake where we love to spend the summer. And we get up and we've got some work to do that day. But we look out on the lake, Linda, and it is a sheet of glass. I mean, <laughs> the, it is. there is no wind, no waves. And, and the water ski boat's sitting I there. Am, and it's so beautiful. I
0: am so surprised that you even dared to bring this up on the radio. Because <laughs> this was an argument in our lives for years and years. But you're we converted on that, right? No, we were living at Bear Lake in a little cabin, <laughs> a little A-frame cabin with all of our kids, and there was no interior walls. For a long time, there was, time, there was no bathroom do. There door, was a lot of work to and do. And all you could see was that beautiful lake and that ski boat out there. Anyway. But my point was,
1: you know, if you work before play, in that case, by the time you're ready to play, the lake is wavy and it's no fun anymore. So, there are times when you have to play before work in order to grab the moment, to live in the present, to, you know, be in the moment, right? I
0: know, I know. But I've still a little, got a little <laughs> of my mother in there. Like, get over there and get that work done before you go out and play. So, um,
1: <laughs> all right. How, how about this one? Um, we mentioned it earlier, but let's get into it. The old cliche is don't just sit there do something that was the one my mom used to yell at me all the time and I think all would agree we got to flip that baby around yeah
0: don't just do something sit there it is so important to think to plan to visualize to meditate there's so much about um, being inside yourself and then being able to be more authentically you in the in our culture today and that's what this is all about and we
1: somehow we live in a day in a culture like you say Linda when when action is the only thing that's rewarded it's like be a man of action be doing something all the time be be busy all the time you know don't be lazy get up get going you know work 16 hour days blah 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 and and what we most of us need is to just sit there once in a while and think and and ask ourselves the question: Is am I really doing the most important thing here? Is this, is there a way to do this better? Um, am I prioritizing correctly? I mean, the unexamined life is not worth living. I think that's one one cliche we'd want to keep, and it ties in with this. Don't just do something; sit there. Okay, well, let's move on. Number five. Uh, get serious. My, I, I had to put that in because that's what my dad used to say to me. Because I was I was a kind of a goof off as a kid, right? It's hard for you to believe, probably. No. <laughs> and he'd say, "Get oh, serious, yeah, Ricky. Get serious." And and that's okay. And there is a time to be serious, but here is the replacement maxim. I think you'll like. And um, this
0: is actually a quote. You'll you'll divulge who wrote this after I say it. The reason angels can fly is that they have learned to take themselves lightly.
1: Don't you love that? That's a quote from G.K. Chesterton who was a mentor of C.S. Lewis, actually. The reason the angels can fly is they have learned to take themselves lightly. Don't you think more than ever before, Linda, we live in a world where you've got to have some humor. You've got to you got to see the lighter side of things. In fact, I think that's why I was able to talk you into marrying me in the first place.
0: Right. I think <laughs> you're right.
1: <laughs> you wanted somebody who could make you laugh, and I could do it.
0: I know. And I tended to get really serious and really down on what I was doing right then and not seeing anything past what I was right in front of me. And, and I do think that is really a, a great one because we do need to really just realize that being lighthearted about things sometimes are the best things we could do
1: lighten up number six act don't react that's sort of a positive mental attitude thing you, you used to read in books more than more than lately but act don't react I had a professor at Harvard that used to say that all the time never never be on the defense never Never let, you know, if if you are surprised it's because you didn't have sufficient contingency planning. You've got to act, not react. But
0: that's not how life really is. No, how what you really need to do is act and respond. Just respond to what you're seeing and not react in, you know, in a negatively.
1: negative way, right? Yeah. Right. But respond, I love the word respond. I came in thinking about that the other day. <laughs> um, how you respond to the, I mean, act, don't react makes the assumption you control everything, and you don't. You don't control hardly anything, so it's how you respond.
0: You know, the problem with living with Richard Eyre is that He goes out on a run and then he comes back. Every (laughs) time he says, "Oh, I got so many great ideas! I got so many great ideas!" Oh, I should. Yes, you do. And then I said, "Well, what was your idea today?" I was just thinking about the word respond. (laughs) What? How many people <laughs> come back thinking I'm thinking about the word to respond but I knew exactly what that meant because I've lived with you for 50 years. So well it's we a, got it's a bunch we
1: got a bunch more of these. I think they're really useful because I think these little cliches get into our head. they get into our subconscious, they affect our paradigm they affect how we see the world and it's kind of refreshing to just explode them. I actually I feel so much better. I mean, when when I say, you know, when I just say to myself something, something like, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well, I feel guilty. But if I say, if a thing's just barely worth doing, then just barely do it. I feel relaxed. We'll come back right after this break with some more.
0: Welcome back to Ayers On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer, And we're back. Today we're talking about... Um, old cliches and turning them around in our minds and so that they become really useful maximums.
1: And here's another one that I think we use way too much today, especially with our
0: children. Hurry up. (laughs) Hurry up. Oh, my gosh. How many times have I said that in my life? Where are your shoes? Hurry up. They're waiting for us. The carpool's out there. Go. Hurry up. You know, there's so many things that we hurry our children to And do.
1: hurry is almost always a problem. And a guy told me the other day, i got to still check this, Linda, but he said, you know, the only time in the whole Bible that the word haste is used, no, no, it wasn't haste, it was rush. The only time that the word rush is used in the Bible is with reference to Satan, to the adversary, <laughs> rushing around, rushing around. And, and rushing and hurry sometimes makes us not only not smell the roses but anyway here's the new the new one seek the speed of going slow slow down seek the speed of going slow That sounds like an oxymoron but when you pace yourself and you slow down a little and you become more observant you see more and a lot of times in parenting just slowing down for a minute it might be better to be one minute late than to have a blow up on the way there you know
0: well i what i figured out with this because i've tried because i am a hurry up person and i really feel like it's important even when you are hurry going fast is focus i mean if you're driving you know dart your eyes around make sure that you're safe all the time or or think about the meeting that you're going into. I mean, you're you're hurrying, but you're thinking, you're slowing your mind down a little bit. Right. Like this is what this is what we need to say. This is what we need to do. So I think that's really a valuable one.
1: We're going to run out of time, Linda. I'm going to pick some that are particularly relevant to family. Okay, to relationships and to family, because after all, that's what hires on the road is all about. So how about the one we hear so often today actually we don't hear it as often as we see people living it and it's the one live to work live to work it's all about your work it's all about who you are when you say to someone when you say to someone what do you do what do you do as though that was the most important question work 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 and we just think that has to be turned around to work to live Living is what it's about. Family is what it's about. Relationships is what it's about. Of course you work. Of course you're productive. Of course you try to do a good a good job at your job. But that isn't the bottom line. That's not the end. That's the means to the end. Working is the means to the end. The end is living. So live to work is, is the wrong approach. It's, it's work to live.
0: I have to just throw in here that we are still in Hawaii and we have a little rooster in the backyard. So this has nothing to do with the sound of BYU radio.
1: If you hear a rooster.
0: (laughs) It is from here.
1: He is just telling you, the rooster just telling you, pay attention to this. Get away from these old cliches. Okay, how about this one? This is really a good one for parents.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this our whole lives. Children are like lumps of clay and parents are the sculptors.
1: Boy, that's a bad one. You know, thinking that you can mold your kids into anything you want them to be. You're the sculptor, they're the lump of clay. Oh, my son, the lawyer, he's gonna be a great attorney. My son, the doctor, my daughter, the, the, the chemist. Uh, my daughter, the athlete. You can't, you can't mold them into anything you want them to be. But yeah. what you can do.
0: Um, is think about children as seedlings and the parents as gardeners. You know, we can give them All the sunshine and rich soil and exposure to rain and all the things, the nutrients that they need to grow and so on, but they are seedlings. They are who they are. They come who they are. They become who they are. All you can do is make the best of that seedling that you are given. So
1: that's a, I love flipping that one. Children are like lumps of clay and parents are the sculptures. No, not. The true one is children are the seedlings and parents are the gardeners. You, if, you, if you've got a little seedling out there that's supposed to grow up into a, a, a currant bush, and you think it's a rose bush and you try to change it, and you're not going to have any luck. What you can do is make it the best current bush it could ever be.
0: And are you saying that if you happen to have a lemon tree, you've got to figure out (laughs) how to add a little sugar. (laughs) That's right,
1: you can't turn it into an orange tree. You You better just
0: figure out how
1: to do it. I love this next one too, Linda. The old cliche is,
0: Ability is the key to successful parenting.
1: We're all trying to become so good at parenting. We're all trying to find a new technique. How do you discipline your kids? Well, how do you do that? And that's good. I mean, it's good to look for ideas. Sure, sure. But ability is not the key to successful parenting. Here's the new maxim.
0: Availability is the key to successful parenting. That is so true. We have spoken to so many audiences. We have spoken often to the Young Presidents organization all over the world who are very well to do and are gone a lot for their kids and they bring home presents and the kids are just saying, we don't want presents, we want you, we want you to be with us. We want you to know that, we want to know that you, we are your first priority.
1: It's kind of the myth of quality time too, you know, when you hear a parent say, well, I don't have much time for my kids, but the time I have is really quality time. That's probably a crock because it's the quantity of time that usually makes quality right and and so you got to be so careful and i love the new maxim on that one availability is the key to successful parenting being there now don't beat yourself up if you're not always there because none of us are yeah and we, we miss some important things but uh Just being there is is pretty important.
0: Well, even as a mom, you know, when you, I was a stay-at-home mom most of my life. Although we had little binges when we did book tours when I was gone, but I found that when I'm home, I'm worried about the mopping the floor or cleaning the windows or doing, you know, making dinner and so on, and not really being there in the moment
1: with
0: with the child. That's really good.
1: So the next one, and these are really we're into the ones now that are particularly applicable to, to family and to relationships. And and you hear this one all the time. I want to have it all. I want to have it all. That's the old cliche. And, and in other words, I you know, I can be I can work full time and be a full time mom and take care of my church job and I can do it all. I can and I can still get to the gym every day and I can still you know, I can have it all, I can do it all. And and that kills people.
0: <clears throat> this actually was the war cry during the era of the Women's Liberation, which, you know, when it first started, which many of you listeners may not even remember, but it really was amazing how much that I'm here for me, I want to have it all, I want to do it. And I think what we decided with here, a
1: lot of them- Here's the new maxim. Da, 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 da.
0: Is you can have it all, but not all at the same time. And I think sometimes we need to compartmentalize. There are seasons of life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll never forget an interview I saw. It's been years and years ago, but it was a it was a woman who had decided to, to stay home with her children for a period of time while they were young in the home and the host was really critical. He was like, You've got a brilliant career. You are you are walking away, you are closing the door on, on this. I thought you wanted to have it all. That's what reminded me of it as I remember he said that to her. And she said the most amazing thing. She said, "Don't, don't you judge me. I do want to have it all. I've just learned I don't have to have it all at the same time. And now is a time when I'm able. Not all people can do this. Not all women can do this. But I'm going to take these next three or four years and be with my young child. Well, again... Not everyone can do that, but there are seasons of life. There are times when you have to prioritize things. So if you're going to say, I want to have it all, don't try to do it all at once. Figure out what seasons of life are for which things. Well, and that
0: could open a Pandora's box because there's so many different situations. But you you know what we're saying. I mean, there are times when you really do have to focus on the kids, and there are times when you really have to focus on your work or yourself. Those are the kinds of things.
1: This next one, Linda, is really, uh, it's kind of a deep one. I hope I can explain what we really mean. The old cliche is familiarity breeds contempt. You may have heard that. It's an old, old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. What concerns us is that a lot of, a lot of people, the young couples today, that's their justification for cohabitation rather than marriage. They're basically saying, I don't want to get I don't want to completely become interdependent here. I, we are, I don't want to get so familiar. We've got to continue to live separate lives and, and so on. And, and, you know, what we need to understand is the new maxim. It's commitment that allows familiarity without contempt. Right. In other words, if you're totally committed, and that's why cohabitation ends up in separation twice as often as marriage, is because there's no com- the commitment is not strong enough. Once the commitments there then the more familiar the better you know each other the more you share the more interdependent you are the better.
0: Right and when you first get married you know you're so madly in love and so on and then time goes on and you think wait you're flossing your teeth in bed.
1: <laughs> Wait, don't do get that. into that. You can't right.
0: do that. That is so annoying. And instead of making those things something that is so annoying, I mean, that's just a little tiny example, but they're annoying things that are as fast as try to of do, doing that. Let's
1: try to do just, just two more before we run out of time, really. No, I agree. I will, I will, not, I will stop flossing my teeth. in bed. You made your <laughs> no, point. No, you, right you the, will Right on the air. Um, the, the, how about this one? Some things are better left unsaid. Boy, that, I bet you if we did a poll, 90% of you would say, I agree with that. Some things are better left unsaid. But you got to think about this new maxim. Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms.
0: And we got that from our dear friend Stephen Covey, and it is so true. I mean, sometimes you don't want to say things right at the moment of when you're angry. But in the end, if you bury it, it we had that example yesterday, even in our in our relationship after we've been going for all these years, if I just keep thinking, I'm just not gonna say it, I'm just not gonna say it, and it just festers Festers. and becomes a bigger deal.
1: And so I think it is true that some things are better left unsaid in, in work relationships or in casual friendships and so on, but in a family, in a marriage, we think the better maxim is unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. So you got to talk things up, but find the right time, the right place.
0: Right. And I can get pretty ugly too. <laughs> Those things have been buried. <laughs> you no,
1: know, you're never ugly, honey, but you do sometimes.
0: I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, we know. The last
1: one, uh, this was this was a line from a movie years ago, and some people picked up on. Love means you never have to say you're sorry. That's nonsense.
0: Yeah, well, no kidding. Actually, love means saying I'm sorry as often as necessary, and I love you as often as possible. I mean, that really is. I mean, you know, I love that movie. I can't even remember the name, but I think it's so important to remember to say sorry.
1: So we're out of time on ours on the Road, but let me give you the good news. Um, you can get this whole book for free. It's it's all free. Just go to com. Sign up and go. Over. All strung together, irsfreebooks.com and scroll down until you come to the book called Trading Old Clichés for New Maxims. And read all these other cliches, because we all need to turn our minds around a little bit.
0: So good luck with that, and we'll see you next time on the Road.
1: Love Bye-bye. you all. Bye-bye.